Hello and welcome to Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Holly, the editor of Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by some of the magazine team to pick out things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We would love to hear your answers. So head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the questions today. Right now though, for episode two of our new season, we're about to join Olympic champion, presenter, author and personal trainer, Amy Williams, as she steps out of her front door in Bathhampton in November 2021. Hello everyone, so I'm Amy Williams. Olympic skeleton champion from the 2010 Winter Olympics. So they were in Vancouver, which feel like an absolute million miles ago now, as we're just actually coming up to uh, the Winter Olympics in Beijing. So that's 2022. So although we've just had our Tokyo Olympics, it's the first time we're going to have such a back-to-back Olympic Games. Anyway, um, on this uh, walk with you all, I have literally just walked down my driveway. I live um, on the edge of Bath in a little village called Bathhampton, really beautiful on the east of Bath. And I live right on the outskirts of Bath with all the countryside. So I've literally just walked down my driveway and I go straight onto a lane on the very end of the village and I'm walking down a lane. It's so beautiful and it's spookily, I think, quite a warm day for, well, the start of November. Um, I did take my kids to school and nursery this morning and it was tipping down with rain. And I was really worried about this walk, thinking, oh crikey, I'm gonna be soaking wet. But it's so nice. So anyway, I'm walking uh, down what is quite a muddy lane um, past the field that I'm super lucky our house we built an extension when we moved in and put huge glass windows that we overlook a massive field that I'm just walking past a gateway I can't see the cows we've got some beautiful cows that moved in with Mr Bull um, and the, my boys who are four and a half and nearly two and a half absolutely love talking and looking at the cows um, and they come up to our wall and we can stroke them <laughs> anyway I can't see them now but I've just walked past a second gate and it goes into a really wonderful community growing like you know grow your own vegetables sort of little mini farm there's chickens there's pigs and it was a few weeks ago they did all the apple um, squeezing and we're making fresh apple juice and obviously cider and they were playing music and they were doing a proper little folk singing tunes to the apples it was so so sweet uh, i went along with my husband and the two boys and my mum granny nanny and um, we all went along and drank lovely fresh apple juice so i'm 
little bit out of breath now, not quite, but it, I'm going up a hill now. So I've got to go up a hill of this lane. There is the most beautiful, stunning Georgian villa at the end of this lane. And we're about to, I'm about to go along a footpath. There's two people walking their dogs, so they're going to think I'm mad talking to myself. So I'm going to wait for them to walk along with their dog. And I can just see for a fence, actually, of this little community farmland with all the vegetables growing and the empty apple trees. Hiya. Let these people through with their dog. Hey. Yeah, I thought it'd be a bit muddy down there. <laughs> it's slippy, slippy. Were you trying to find the coffee shop somewhere? Oh, the coffee shop? Yes. Straight down this lane. Just keep going and you'll see a little row. There's a doctor's on the corner and there's a little coffee shop. Oh, are we? You're in Bathampton now. Oh, okay. So you're just on the edge. Oh, well, it's back in Bathampton. Oh, so where have you come from? Have you come from that direction all the way around? Yeah, no, just never. Yeah, so you went past the church, the little school, and all the way around. Yeah, so you're looping round back into the village. The little end of street with a shop. Yes, yes, yes. So directly in front of you. Yeah, you've done a massive big loop circle. It is Amy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I am. I am that house where you can see. I'm the bungalow here. Oh, you can't quite see it. Huge big glass window with that really. Ugly wall that you can see. So, yeah, I'm like the second house along into a, yeah, gone from Georgian beautiful townhouse to a little dodgy 1970s bungalow. But, yeah, we look out at this field. And, uh, yeah, oh, really nice to see you. Take care. <laughs> so, you heard all of that. That was a lady that I used to live in the centre of Bath on a beautiful, sort of hidden away Georgian street. And she was my neighbour there. How random. Um, you know what? That's Bath. Bath is this beautiful Georgian city that is crazy busy all the time because of all the tourists coming. But at the core and heart of it, it's really small and you're always bumping to someone. So anyway, that was her, her friend and the little dog. And I'm just dodging a really muddy puddle. So... Yeah, my walk, I'm dropping down a bit of a muddy track and down a field. And if you could see what I'm seeing now, um, it's totally opened up so I can see across the other side of a valley. And down in the dip of the valley is the canal, which the um, Avon and Somerset Canal, which I'm about to come onto. And there's also the train track, which will lead you all the way up to London. So Bath, we're like an hour and a half to London Paddington. And I'm just walking down a little path, which is actually in the private land of this big, beautiful Georgian villa that I'm about to go past. And they overlook the canal. So people can just walk through. And as you heard me say to those other people, <laughs> it's a lovely little loop of a walk. And so loads of people come with their dogs and do a nice little loop through. So I bring my boys down here uh, with their bikes, which is a bit... <laughs> It's a bit dodgy actually because they're really not very good on their bikes and I've um I dug out some winter boots today and I'm just making sure I don't slip on my bottom as I come down all right some little steps and then I've got to go through a little gate and I have to go over a bridge a drawbridge across the canal 
which if you get here at the wrong time and there are loads of, of the canal boats trying to get through, normally we help push the bridge. So it's a really old white swing bridge. Now I have a choice of turning left, which will be towards the village of Bathampton and then you can walk all the way down into Bath. Or today I thought with you guys, I'm actually gonna turn right. Although I'm now saying that to myself, if I turn right, I basically head away from Bath. You won't see anyone. So it's just whether or not I want to, you know what, we'll do it. We're gonna turn right. So my back is now towards Bathampton and then Bath. And I'm actually pointing this canal, if I keep walking along it, apparently you get to Redden. You will get the whole way um, up. It's been raining loads, so there's tons of puddles that I'm going to be dodging, which is why I put on my winter boots. <laughs> so, you know, what, I've got questions here to answer, which I know some of you will be answering yourself as well. And the first one is actually what gets me out on a walk? What gets you out on a walk? Um, and for me, I probably don't walk as much as I'd like to or when, particularly when my boys were smaller and probably any mum in their buggy, you're just walking up and down trying to get them to go to sleep or to get that fresh air. And I definitely did a lot of walking with Oscar, my first son when he was born I would walk the opposite way along the canal just to go and get a pint of milk from the shop closest to Bath just to have that 30 minutes walk I remember stopping off at park benches on the way home feeding him because he'd be crying and you'd have to walk back but you felt so good having that one hour um, of just walking and just being with you um, and just losing yourself. Normally, clearly, as a new mum, very sleep deprived. Um, yeah, so I think for me, what gets me out on a walk is either weekends trying to be a family together. We all walk along. We see if the boys want to take their bikes. Um, so they've learned, Oscar's learned to ride his bike along the canal. And Alfie is still wobbling around on a balance bike and end up carrying his most of the time but it's just wonderful because it's just a nice towpath it's um well just stony and grippy underneath you just got to hope that they don't wobble into the water but yeah I think it's spending time together that exercise that fresh air in the lungs um and just looking around and trying not to be on our phones and you know having that real switch off time uh, from technology and work and bringing it all back to that family life and being a family together. I'm just going to stop here and this is one of the reasons I wanted to come this way because on my right by the water there are four giant swans <laughs> and I have to walk really carefully past them because they're quite scary. So I'm guessing it's mummy and daddy and that's two of their signets. So um, they are absolutely full-size, giant. I can't believe how big they are. Um, and we've watched them. So every year, the swans here along the canal always give birth to about six or seven babies. And very sadly, they, they normally dwindle down to about four or five. And here I can see there's just two left. 
but they are, yeah, fully grown with some of their grey feathers turning white. But they're just beautiful. And they're all having a little bit of a preen and a scratch and a, you know, wiggle around. So I'm going to walk past them now because I don't want them attacking me because they have a few times before. Hiya, hey. That's our first jogger walking past. So another reason I love coming along this canal is because it is really flat. And Bath, anyone who knows Bath, it is just so hilly. So any run, any bike ride, you have to go up. So many hills. Obviously great when you come down them. But if you want just an easy flat run, the canal is then the really good place to go. And so everyone is normally jogging up and down. So another reason of what gets me out on a walk is now Oscar has just started school. So I was super lucky to live really close to the village school and the nursery that he's been at and which his little brother Alfie goes to is oh, 100 metres away from each other. And so we walk every morning, well, hold them, every morning for school and then three mornings a week of, um, to the nursery as well. And it's nice, again, that little fresh air for 10, 15 minutes in the morning as we're doing drop-offs. I get my step counting a little bit higher and it's just perfect. That noise you can hear is I'm going past a different kind of boat, not a canal boat. It looks like it should be on a river and that was its generator going absolutely stinks <laughs> some of them oh stink so bad of petrol fumes and diesel or diesel or i don't know whichever one it is but they stink anyway the boat that i'm now walking past has definitely seen better days i can see all the wood and the paint flicking off it it needs love there's sort of two types of boats here one's like the one i've just walked past which literally look like they're about to sink because they've really not been looked after and then other ones which are the most beautiful almost like the double width canal boats and people live on them you know the whole year round you peer through the window and they are stunning inside they look like some swanky london flat and it's someone's boat they are really really lovely So let's go to question two. <laughs> um, where is your dream walk? Think about the walk you loved most in the past. Wow, that's quite a tricky one. I have been on kind of specific walking holidays. When I was actually, when I, um, when I was in school in my sixth form, I was at Hayesfield Girls School in Bath and the sixth form linked really closely uh, to the boys' school up the road, Beechencliff, uh, where my brother went. And they always used to do really cool trips to the French Alps, to Morocco, um, all around Europe. And so when uh, me and my twin sister moved to sixth form, we were like, we're going up the road. We're going to the boys' school for our sixth form. And they had just introduced girls into the sixth form. And one of the first trips we did was to the French Alps. And the guy that used to take us was the technology teacher. 
uh, Mr. Young. And he was, you know, every qualification possible for mountaineering, mountain climbing and all the rest of it. And it was his wife, Mrs. Young, who was the PE teacher at the girls' school. So it was really lovely, actually. Um, and I definitely have them both to thank for my, I guess, adventurous spirit and that need to challenge and push yourself and put yourself out there. And so, yeah, I went on this school trip to the French Alps. Uh, my sister went, I think my, my brother was there as well. And it was amazing. We slept in tents. We slept in, you know, cabins up mountains. We did so much climbing. We learned, um, I learned how to use pickaxes, have crampons on. I can't remember the name of the mountain that we actually climbed, but I remember us getting up at three o'clock in the morning. We'd already walked like a day. We slept in this little log cabin halfway up or near the top. We then got up at 3 a.m. to continue the next few hours of climbing. Oh, that's the train going past. So that will be the train from London <laughs> heading into Bath. Um, and yeah, and then you continued climbing. And I remember being at the top of this mountain, higher than all the clouds. The sun was still coming up. So we were sort of higher than the clouds and the sun and watching the sun peep through. It was amazing. And I still to this day can really see it in my imagination and that clean, crisp of fresh air, your lungs burning, your calf muscles. I remember the pain in your calf muscles from digging your toes and the crampons into the ice. So if anyone's done that, you know what I'm talking about. And um, oh, it's really just started raining. I'll just fill you in on that. <laughs> I don't want to put my hood up because I don't want it to crumple. But yeah, I'm getting a little bit wet here. Uh, but yeah, so that was a really um, walk that I really, really remember. Another one with the same technology teacher and same school trip, we went out to Morocco and we climbed Mount Tubkal. So that's the, I want to say the, no, I'm going to probably say something really stupid here. Is it the highest mountain in North Africa? It could well be. I think it is. Anyway, it's super high and you definitely get altitude sickness potentially. And some people on the trip I remember did get a bit sick and couldn't make it to the top but again it was kind of one of those walks that lasted several days <laughs> we didn't have technology we slept on the floor we slept halfway up the mountains you know I remember like moving rocks around and making little stone walls around your head to protect you from the wind and lying out your thermo rest and getting into your sleeping bag at night and just yeah being at one with nature and the world and before social media and instagram which nowadays you'd probably be taking a hundred pictures of the setup of your sleeping bag we didn't have any of that and the whole school trip actually was about being connected with different schools and we took old computers and filled the minibuses up and you know went into local families but then the highlight was going up Mount Tubkal and we also went to the Todra Gorge and I've only just remembered that now actually we did some rock climbing in the Todra Gorge which is beautiful and stunning and then we also walked 
and we had a guide and we met some nomads you know they just lived in their tent had their sheep and had the most simplistic life and it definitely taught me and I guess I was only 17 16 17 then you don't need anything in life apart from your family friends yes some food in your mouth and some water to drink and that's all we really really need Yeah, really good memories of those walks. So the one walk, where would I like to be on today? And where would I really want to walk in the future? Hmm, well today right now, I mean, my hands are pretty cold. It's raining. Nice, hot, warm sand under my feet on a walk. It's always a winner in my eyes. Yes, I've talked about ice climbing, but I would still choose barefoot walking along hot sand. I'm not sure the last time I did that. Yeah, I'm actually going to Portugal next week on a kind of working, should I call it a working holiday? It's active living week at a at the Four Seasons Fairway in um, Portugal, and I'm taking taking the whole week of workouts, simple stretching sessions or glute burn, ab burn, hit, easy levels, not so easy levels. Um, and I'm hoping to get my feet in the sand then. I'm bringing my mum and little Alfie with me and he's never been on an aeroplane. He's not been to the seaside, being a kind of, dare, well, kind of almost COVID baby because he's had two birthdays with not necessarily anyone seeing him so yeah some warm sand would be lovely in my toes and where would I like to be on a walk in the future oh I'd love to go back out to Africa to Botswana I've got a really good friend there and it's actually where me and Craig got engaged and we were out in the Okavanga Delta and just being in Africa, I'd love to wait until the boys are a bit old enough and we all go as a family. Just, I think again, being in the middle of nowhere where time seems to stop, where yes, you might have a camera with you, but not your phone camera, just a good old normal camera. And either walking or just when you sit and you're just looking and waiting for animals and observing and listening to sounds I think um, that's definitely where I'd love to go again I first went to the Okavango Delta on it was a TV show called Alone in the Wild it was on Discovery Channel uh, back in oh it must have been like 2010 after I'd won my medal and you had to survive on your own for 10 days and it was me Freddie Flintoff uh, cricketer ex-cricketer and Tanya Streeter world record freediver the first time I'd met her she is now a wonderful wonderful friend for life and we got buddied up together for the first few days then we went off alone and then we regrouped and you basically had to live, survive on your own, apart from the few days being buddied up, 
with nothing but a bit of water, um, a little tiny handful of oats and sugar, a tea bag, red bush tea bag, and you had your tent, etc. And a horn for the lions, for danger. <laughs> and um, there were always two guides secretly watching you, but you, I never ever saw my guide. So they were so well hidden and they could have been anywhere from like 10 to 100 meters away from you. And you had to film the whole thing on cameras and yeah, walk about, look for food, trap, set traps, didn't catch anything. And um, definitely, I'll tell you this, my stomach really, really hurt having not eaten for days and days and days. But that was amazing, just, you walked a bit to begin with to try and set your traps and to have a look around. And then actually you had to conserve, you know, conserve your energy to not walk about because you didn't have the food and you were starving. And I remember blowing on my fire to keep my fire um, lit. And I actually passed out, luckily not on the fire. And my guide had watched me. And then I found a little ration pack of a little bit more oats and sugar that I could eat. <laughs> Oh yeah, they were good, good and bad memories. So yeah, I think that uh, whole area of Africa is just amazing. So definitely gonna save up my pennies, take the whole family and do a bit of walking there. It's properly, properly raining now. I'm half squinting as I walk along. So you might be able to hear traffic as well now because this part of the canal comes quite close to the A36. So road coming out of Bath towards Warminster, Salisbury. Um, so there are some quite big lorries whizzing past. So I'm sandwiched now between the A36 on my right hand side. I'm walking along the canal path and a train just about to come through on my left hand side. a little four carriage one. It's going through the fields, through past some cows. Yeah, on this really yucky, gray, wet day. Ugh. Okay, let's see what the next question is. I should have taken note as to when I started this walk, but never mind. What does switching off look like to you? Oh my, is it important to disconnect? Or is that the wrong way to think about it? And how selfish are you able to be in your life? What rituals do you use to switch off? Wow, switching off, I almost don't even know what that is. So yeah, I find it really hard to switch off. <sighs> Busy mum of two young children, two boys who don't stop, running a business, my personal training business. And in the last year and a half, since COVID started, written a book. So I've just had a book published. It's out there now. Um, and so, yeah, switching off? No, that definitely has not been in my life for several, several years. Um, oh, I probably switched off more when I was an athlete, a full-time athlete, because rest was so important and your rest and recovery after sessions of doing two or three sessions a day 
And then when you rested, you really rested. You did nothing but after your stretching sessions and some mobility, you sat on your sofa and you had a cup of tea and you ate and you literally did nothing. And even walking around town sometimes I wouldn't do because it was too much and your body wasn't resting. So now, yeah, um, I might get about a 15 minute break between some of my personal training clients and most of the time I'm running in the house. My gym is a double garage that we converted. Oh, I'll stand under here for a little bit. <laughs> As I'm talking to you, I'm underneath one of the bridges. So I don't know if you can hear that I'm a bit echoey now. This is a really small little bridge that's just got a footpath over the top. Um, oh, it's quite a nice rest from the rain. Um, what was I saying? Um, totally lost where I was going. I'm going to keep walking, otherwise I'm just going to lose track of my thought process. Um, yeah, switching off. So, yes, getting like 15 minute breaks in between clients. I'll have a cup of tea. I might quickly have a wee break. So it was about a year ago, year and a half ago, I converted my double garage into a gym and did it first of all just for me but now and since covid started realized I just have to earn some money so i already had my qualifications and i thought quick <laughs> make yourself up a website and get yourself out there and start a pt business and i absolutely love it it's been going really really well i um hey uh, i have some wonderful clients and it's really good. So three days a week I do that. Um, and also a Sunday morning, I take a hit class online for a yoga session. And I guess with any personal training business, everyone obviously had to go online, come COVID and we had to shut all the gym. So tricky, you definitely had to think outside the box, had to adapt, um, but it went really well and been super lucky to have these wonderful clients who are positive as much as I'm positive to them, they are to me. And it's really wonderful helping other people achieve their goals, helping them make those little lifestyle changes, make them feel better. Um, yeah, uh, just keep them on that nice balanced way of life and so i've been really enjoying passing on knowledge you know my training and to help them become stronger versions of them themselves so that's been really great the days i'm not doing that i'm looking after little alfie who's not in nursery on a monday and thursday so i'm normally doing all sorts of other admin life admin you know the shopping and cleaning and tidying and any other email admin life um so then even more so it's hard to switch off <laughs> to be fair with him normally i open up my computer and he wants to climb all over me and poke the screen and i actually am forced to sit on the floor and play with lego or play with something with him which is a nice forced kind of rest, shall we say, and switching off from always feeling like there's a massive list of things to do. 
I'm hiding underneath a tree now. I'm going to stop for a little bit because <laughs> I'm getting really wet. <laughs> and these cards are going to get really soggy. I think another way of switching off for me is on the time, yeah, when the boys are asleep, they're in bed, and I just think, it's eight o'clock, Hopper's day, I'm going to stick my pyjamas on, I'm going to get into bed, uh, make a nice cup of tea, some kind of nighttime tea bag thing, normally from pucker teas or whatever it is, and I will get into bed with my computer, and although... Hi. Hiya. An old man cycling past, thinking I'm a weirdo, talking to myself, I think. <laughs> Bless him. He's getting wet too. Um, yeah, and with my cup of tea, I might stick on some, you know, oil burner diffuser thing with some lovely smelling lavender stuff that, to be fair, my husband absolutely hates the smell of. Um, and yeah, I think in that instant, I do turn on technology and I do put on a movie, find something on Netflix, you know, get into some series that I don't really have to use my brain. And so it's almost like a switch off mentally, um, but not switching off from technology. Um, but that's the kind of nice thing that I like to do, just to not have to use my brain. There's another dog coming up to me now. Hello. Hello. Hey! Oh, you're friendly. <laughs> hey. So, I just said hello to a lovely Labrador licking my hand. Oh, slobber. Wipe that down my leggings. And then that rattly noise was a lady on her bike and it was a bit rattly. She, I think, is one of the ladies that lives on one of the canal boats. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to switch around. I've changed directions now, so I'm actually walking back towards Bath and I'll do a bit more of a loop. Otherwise, I will literally find myself so far from home. <laughs> well, I'll have to talk to you for ages. So yeah, where were we? What does switching off look like to you? It is definitely something I have to work on. Uh, taking time for myself, trying to not stress about the long forever list of things to do. And if it is getting into pyjamas at eight, half eight, and telling myself not to worry or stress about admin, just take time out, de-stress. For me, it really is watching movies. That's always been something to help me switch and de-stress. When I was an athlete, um, Oh, I used to bring around my little DVDs and my little DVD player. And, um, you know, that for me was the big thing to switch off my worries about sliding, about the track, about performing, switch it all off and go into this imaginary world. And so movies have always done that for me. Um, love a good rom-com. Uh, love just not having to worry or think. Going into like another world. I think that's the hardest thing to do and what I found becoming a parent is it says here how selfish are you able to be in your life as an athlete you have to be selfish as an athlete you think about you 
your performance, what you need to do to recover, to perform, to lift heavy in the gym. Um, and you have to have a very selfish life, very disciplined life. And actually, my book, um, Talent to Triumph, is all about helping teenage athletes reach that next level of high performance. And there's loads of different chapters in it, 10 chapters, higher. And I cover loads of different things from, you know, even selecting your sport to barriers, to injuries, fear, training performance, um, goal setting, loads of different things. And I think part of it is trying to put your life in a pie chart, put all those different areas of your life from lifestyle, nutrition, yes, as an athlete, your technical side of your life, your equipment, your performance in the gym, your lifting, your psychology work, you know, even money, stress, life, and you kind of do a kind of little goal setting for each one of those pie charts. And I think even doing that, you realise how sort of selfish you have to be in every single one of those areas of your life but you need to do that to be able to perform better to increase that little one percent of all those different areas of your life and as an athlete if you can increase 10 areas of your life by one percent that could be one one hundredth of a second or one second or 10 meters or whatever it might be in your sport um and I think as a mum and as a family, oh, that's another big noisy train. Oh, I can see the, oh, that's the freight train. There's always a freight train that goes past about twice a day. So yeah, as a parent, I think you can still try and put your life into that pie chart and, you know, write yourself goals, but it's very different and it's, I think, harder to do. You are selfless. Your children always come first. And so they should. But also it's trying to remind yourself that you still have to do things for you. You still have to, like the last question was, you know, switch off. You still have to focus. Hiya. Two more guys on their mountain bikes. You still have to focus in on you and what you need to do. Um, and I have found that the hardest thing of becoming a parent of that old athlete me being very focused on me and my performance. And now, well, the last four and a half years, nearly five years of becoming a mum, you're the bottom of the list and you're sort of the least important in that list of things to do. But now I'm trying to really balance it out that no, I do need to do things for me and I do need to switch off and I do need to find a new balance of life. And I think that can be a really, really tough thing for many parents to do. And something I definitely find with a lot of my personal training clients that they're very busy working families. And for them coming to me in the gym is that one hour, once or twice a week, that is their time. Um, you know, if you do yoga, rolling out that yoga mat is that one really important time for you. And I think that's a constant battle. Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Oh, question four. 
friend, family member, someone you follow on Instagram. Oh my, who's nailing it? <laughs> I think, I think, oh, the kind of social world these days always makes you think someone else is nailing it more than you. And I think that's the good and bad of social media. You're always looking to someone else's life. Hi. What have they got that you don't have? What are they doing that you're not doing? Um, who do I think's nailing it in my life? You know what, my twin sister I always think's nailing it. Her children are a bit older than mine. They're seven and nine. And as a family, they seem to always be really nailing their fitness goals. They are out all the time, kids on the bike. My sister and her husband are the running. They seem to always be yeah really on their fitness nailing it she's making bread she's cooking really great food and meals and I always think where does she get the energy from how can she do all of this and go for a run at six o'clock in the morning and come back and do the school run and yeah I always feel like she's got it but it's funny because I spoke to her the other day and she always thinks I've got it so I think it goes to show you that <laughs> No one's got it perfectly, but we all do and we all don't. And we all think each other have got it better than one another. And we really don't. I think I follow a lot of fitness influencers on Instagram. And I just don't know how they do it. How can they post all these workouts all the time and constantly eating well? Um, and then, to be fair, quite a lot of them, I'm like, you're in your 20s, you don't have children, um, this is your whole entire business. And then I have to tell myself, Amy, you have two young children, you're running another business, you've just written your book, and you're trying to do fitness videos for your Instagram page, and I'm just trying to do too much. Um, but it's still good, I think, for everyone. If you can look and see what other people are doing, as an inspiration to get yourself motivated to aspire to 100% just make sure you're not looking at it making yourself feel worse and bad um, and even my videos when I put out there on my Instagram I don't actually have time to do them all I will I'll let you into a secret sometimes I will literally just do five squats as a demo move on to the next thing do it as a demo piece it together, write it as a workout and tell you to do it, you know, five times through. Whereas in reality, I've actually only quickly demoed it. So I don't have time to do them all. Uh, and I'm really trying to. So my goal and mission now is to try and do two workouts a week. Uh, my friend, my best friend, Joe, comes into the gym and we try and do it in that one hour of a lunchtime slot um, when I don't have a client or when the little one's asleep on his nap and we nail a hard workout and tick the box and feel really good for ourselves afterwards. I'm really conscious I'm sniffing a lot. I've got that kind of cold snivel nose going on now. Let's have a look at this next question. Question 
five, when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Think about what helps calm you down and clear your mind. Hmm. I do feel like I get quite stressed sometimes. And it's that, like I said earlier, that list that never seems to go down, that you've constantly got things that you're doing and juggling. I know when I'm getting stressed and anxious because I get more headaches, I get migraines, a lot of tension in my neck, shoulders, and I just don't sleep very well. I'm a terrible sleeper anyway. So, yeah, I have to go back to that kind of old athlete and I think it's in my training and preparation chapter in my book and it's all about some good techniques to use let's just say before a competition when you're feeling really nervous or anxious or you feel that fear creeping in is to just go back to some really good deep breathing and I do find myself doing that quite a bit whether it's just one big deep breath or three, or I'm about to shout to the kids again because they're being naughty and I just take a deep breath. Um, or whether it is in bed at night, or you're just walking along now in a walk. You can put your hands on your belly. And I like to visualize a square or a triangle. And take a big deep breath in, count for three or count for four or whatever you can do. Then hold along the top of the square, hold it for the same time, three seconds, four seconds, and then breathe out down the side of a square for the same amount of breaths. And then hold, and then take the breath in. So you're basically picturing, drawing around a square as you take those big deep breaths in, hold, release out, hold. And you just keep doing that, maybe for a cycle of five, 10, whatever you've got, you can do and all you're doing is focusing on that breathing on those deep breaths on that belly breathing and I think yeah that's a really good way just to relax you'll relax your shoulders subconsciously without realizing it the tension in your head your neck doing some really gentle neck stretches releasing your ear to shoulder drawing away the opposite shoulder gently come back into the middle and do the same on the other side just taking that time to take those big deep breaths is the most simplest thing you can do but will always work and I think another thing when you're stressed and worried and going back to me as an athlete and I've got a big, again, a few pages in, the, in my book about it. It's all about that emotional cues and the physical cues of the subconscious and conscious you. Do you realise physically you're raising those shoulders, you're getting tense, you can feel a headache, your breathing's got shallower. If someone's looking at you, can they see you frowning more? Um, to the emotional side of it of feeling worried, feeling stressed, looking at other people, uh, those negative thoughts coming in your brain and then basically how you can switch them to positives 
So like we just did, did the deep breathing, um, making yourself smile, <laughs> taking those breaths, um, getting rid of those negative thoughts and turning them into positives. For me as an athlete, I spent too much time worrying about the other athletes. What are they doing? What are they doing to warm up? What are they doing when they're sitting there? How are they stretching? Uh, what are they doing with their equipment? And actually, it took a long time to learn, and I cracked it for the Olympics, of not worrying about them. They do not make you a better person. They don't make your, for me, my sled go faster down the ice. They don't make me lift heavier in the gym. And to stop worrying so much about other people all the time. And that's a really hard thing to learn and it sort of all ties in with that last question about social media and just not focusing on other people all the time. So, yeah, I think that all links into that um, conscious, are you conscious of doing that? Do you know you're thinking negatively? Do you know you're getting more stressed? And I think as soon as you become aware of it, that's when you can okay, I need to do some deep breathing here. Okay, I need to relax my shoulders down um, and listen to your own cues in your own body. I feel like I ranted on a bit there. I was also in the middle of that picking up some really beautiful leaves off the floor. <laughs> I'm really bad with my trees, but they were beautiful shaped yellow and some were red. Take them to the boys. Okay, everything's really soggy in my hand now. These little cue cards that I have. When was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? Ooh. Um, well, yeah, I know I don't want to make this into some plug in my book, but that was a massive, massive challenge to myself actually to write a book and 2010 after Olympics I told myself right you've got to write all this stuff down so you don't forget it that you can give on to the next generation and it's taken you know 10 years to get myself winning a race winning a, a gold medal and I just never did and I had people around me who told me at the time not to bother and and that self-doubt crept in of, oh, I'm terrible at writing, I can't spell to save my life. And I mean, I quit uni because I didn't want to write a dissertation. <laughs> so the thought of even writing a book was just a sort of a wish that I always wanted to do. And yeah, I guess I've been super proud of myself that throughout lockdown, a publisher came to me and was super excited about my idea and my thought process and how I wanted it to be tips and lessons and life lessons and um, like a self-help guide and a book you can scribble in and quotes from all athletes, summer and winter Olympians, medalists. Um, and so, yeah, the, the challenge was, let's do it. Let's get my old psychology books out. Let's ring up athlete friends who can who can give their examples and lessons that they've learned in their careers and so the feeling of that book being delivered through the door in boxes that I've bought up 
um, and to know that they're out there, that people can buy it, is an amazing feeling, an amazing challenge that I just never thought I would ever do. And, um, you know, I've written it for all those, that next generation, teenage athletes, those who have just watched the Tokyo Olympics and have got inspired and just want to really push themselves to get into their school team or national team or to get into those England trials, whatever it might be. So I feel really uh, privileged and proud of myself to be able to have got that out there and hopefully help some new generations. Um, my other challenge, yeah, I guess I said earlier, just the simple challenge of telling myself to exercise twice a week. Uh, I used to do it twice a day and now just twice a week is my realistic goal of can I book myself in my own gym? Sounds really simplistic, but harder said than done. And can I do a workout for me? I love working out. I love the endorphins. I love that feeling of how good you feel afterwards and how chuffed you feel. Um, so yeah, that has been a challenge. And so far, I've managed it for about three weeks. So I want to keep it going. train again okay question seven when was the last time you cried <laughs> tears of sadness happiness relief or anything else that's that noisy generator boat again the one that probably shouldn't really be on the canal okay so when was the last time I cried I'll be honest with you it was actually yesterday morning coming home from school Poor Oscar, um, so he was riding, they taking turns with a scooter. So we walked to school, like I said at the start, and there's a really steep hill, little lane, it's called Dark Lane, no street lights. And all the kids, the school, we all flood down this lane uh, over a little humpy bridge in the village to the school. And he basically fell off the scooter really badly down the hill in his little shorts because he doesn't like wearing trousers. And he bashed his knees in the exact same place that he'd already fallen over the day before coming home from school. <laughs> I mean, he's like a Dalmatian dog of bruises on his legs. Typical boy. And um, poor thing was so hurt, crying, sad, saying, Mummy, I don't want to go to school. Take me home, I want to go home. Um, and obviously I had to take him to school and his little brother and he just didn't want to go into class and he's a really sensitive boy, very shy, like I was and like actually his dad was when he was small. And... Um, yeah, and I think it's tough for him. He knew that his little brother was getting to hang out with me all day and he was hurting, he was in pain. And it's just so hard to, you know, watch your distressed face of your child crying and wanting hugs and cuddles when, you know, it's been 10 minutes and you really have to go into school now and his teacher's really trying to sort of drag him away and... Oh, I just had to turn my back on him and walk away with little Alfie. And it's just heartbreaking. 
and I've just been feeling quite emotional anyway the last few days and to walk away I had tears in my eyes and when I got home I burst into tears and it was actually very lovely the school rang about 10 minutes later saying he's absolutely fine he's calmed down don't worry he's playing which was just a really nice feeling and I know he always does he, he'll cry for 10 minutes and then he'll be distracted and he'll be fine but that's that was really hard and I yeah I felt like I cried quite a lot yesterday I just felt really emotional and just had a bit of a sob <laughs> um so yeah, that was yesterday morning, the last time I cried. Um, I am quite an emotional person. I do cry quite a lot. So I'm going past some of the big wide canal boats now and I'm almost back at the swing bridge that we were at the start of the walk. So these boats are covered in leaves so all the leaves have been falling off that I've been scrunching through. And most of them are all covered over the boats. They need a little sweep down. Okay, so I am thinking whether or not I continue walking, but it's quite a big loop. Um, or I go back over the swing bridge and then I have to walk a lot slower anyway up the slippy hill. So we'll do that together. Okay, question eight. What's one recent little win you're happy with? Ooh, I have to think about this one. What's a win I'm happy with? Hi. I think it's nothing grand. It kind of is a definite another parent in one. Both my boys ate their dinner last night. <laughs> and to be fair, that was like a big win. Uh, you never know if they're going to eat absolutely nothing or they will eat it all or one will eat it and the other one will refuse to do it. So it was just sausages and mash yesterday and they both ate it. <laughs> And it's the simplest of thing, but when you've cooked a dinner at the end of the day and you're tired and, you know, you just want someone else to cook it for you, the fact that you've cooked it and you've put it in front of your children and they sit down, not moaning, and they just eat it, that is definitely one of life's little wins. Um, it's a very simple thing, but to not have to stress over getting children to eat their dinner when you've just slaved and cooked it is a really good feeling. So that was yesterday's win. And I was super chuffed with them both that they even got chocolate ice cream for their pudding. So yeah, it was a good, good evening meal. <laughs> so that was perfect. So I'm heading up the hill now. That first one that I came down past the lovely, beautiful lodge. It's definitely going to get my heart rate going and a bit of a heat going on. All right. I'm nearly there at the end of these cards. 
Number nine, what's the biggest life lesson you've learnt in the past year? Ooh. I think, and I always tell people, I mean, my, my life lesson or slight mantra is always just to listen to your gut feeling. And that was definitely, okay, it's not the last year, but my biggest lesson around the Olympics and as an athlete, which took a long time to tune into, was just to listen to what that gut feeling and that gut inner voice is telling you. And it's always right. Um, At the Olympics, I had to make big decisions about my equipment and I had the team around me telling me one thing, but my gut and my instincts told me another. And I'm so glad I listened to my gut instincts and didn't have the pressure of everyone around me. Um, And I did make the right decision in the end, which I know led me to winning my medal. And so I always tell people, listen to your gut. It's always right. It's always that niggling little thing. Something doesn't feel right, or I know I shouldn't be doing this, or yeah, go for it. So which does lead me on to this last year. My, what are we saying? The big sort of lesson of the last year, I think is just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. I think I told myself to go for it to set up my personal training business, told myself to go for it for writing my book. I tell my children now and the boys, I want them to to just go for it, try it, whether it's lifting their feet off the floor on the balance bike, whether it's Oscar's got his second swimming lesson today after a year off with COVID, obviously, and all the pools shutting. And he already cried this morning saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go, mummy. And I'm like, come on, you can do it. You know, you were super good last time and you were great. And, you know, saying, come on, let's go for it. So I do think it is. It's just do it. Nothing can go wrong. I think lots of people with COVID have wanted to transition, uh, transition into another area of their job or transition jobs completely I think it's shown everyone what's important in their life and what's not and if people have hated their jobs it's given them the boost that they need to go for it and switch jobs try something new write that application for a new job so I think that is a big thing uh, to listen to your gut to just try something new if it all goes wrong, you don't have to do it again. You know, I think that's a, that's a big thing. Okay. And as I'm now walking up my little lane back home, complete the following sentences. Being healthy is dot, dot, dot. Oh. Being healthy, I think, is having balance. Having a balanced life. Balanced nutrition. Balanced fitness. Balanced work, life, kids, relationship balance. Um, Yeah, I think all of it. My kind of little motto in my gym and on the wall of my gym and my um, little logo is fitness lifestyle and wellness and I think it incorporates everything from 
I never encourage people to go on diets. Healthy eating and living and 80-20% rule is definitely my, my way forward. Yes, a takeaway on a Friday night is perfectly fine. Just don't do it every single night. You know, have that balance. Yes, uh, drinking a bottle of wine is fine with your partner or husband or wife. Just don't do it every single night. So, yeah, I think being healthy is feeling in control of all those areas of your life, that pie chart I talked about earlier, and having the balance amongst all of them. I'm most me when... Ooh, I'm most me when I think I'm just chilling and relaxing in my home with family, with friends, having a cup of tea, you know, mucking around. I can't wait for Christmas this year just to muck around, be silly, play games, go for a walk. Yeah, playing Lego on the floor. That's our big thing at the moment of doing and... You know, you just feel like you. That's happiness. I mean, also I'm most me when I am working out and doing fitness. Obviously, it was a massive, massive area of my life for 10 plus years. So, yeah, I do feel like me when I'm in my gym doing my thing. Um, and that's really lovely. And the best thing about my walk today has actually been... What we've kind of almost said the whole way is taking time for you. I've just spent, what, an hour to myself taking that time out and being outside with no phone, no computer. I'm back in my garden now walking around and I'm just overlooking the wall into the field. Hello, moo cows! <laughs> and I'm looking at the cows. Oh, I just love them. They're so cool. It's a bit squelchy, the mud in the field. But yeah, just looking, I'm standing in my garden and I can see other little local villages around, but I'm just looking at fields and the cows and the birds. And I haven't been stressing about anything else that I need to do or the jobs or the admin, you know, session plans that I should be doing, all of that stuff I haven't had to do washing and food prep and Sainsbury shops and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's been the nicest thing about my walk today. I'm warm now because I've had to walk up that hill so my hands aren't cold anymore. And I will go in now, take my boots off, coat off, and I'm going to sit and have a nice cup of tea. And I might do what I've told you all and do a little bit of breathing and just try and enjoy the calmness for a little bit more. How idyllic did Amy's country stump across her fields and around Bath sound? And if you're in need of some suitable footwear for your country walks, our sponsor has so many great options for you to choose from. So before we discuss Amy's answers, let's take a moment to hear from Sketches. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Sketches, the comfort technology company. Put a spring in your step with Skechers' range of comfort-boosting shoes, featuring the very latest walking technology. The new, lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which provides complete foot and arch support 
And now you can add Sketches Apparel to your walking wardrobe for ultimate all-day comfort. Shop the range online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S dot co dot UK, where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots, trainers, jackets, tops, leggings, activewear, and more to bring you and your family style and support with every step. Bath is actually one of my favourite parts of the UK, so I loved hearing Amy talk about her Georgian surrounds today. And I can't wait to get stuck into her answers with the team. So I'm bringing back Daniela and Stacey from Health and Wellbeing, plus our own development coach, Cami. Daniela, tell us what you loved about Amy's walk today. There were so many great takeaways, I think, today. Um, I think Amy brought a lot of energy and real kind of animation to the podcast. Firstly, I liked how she has had to make smaller expectations now that she's not, uh, you know, a full-time training athlete. So for her, that means, you know, training twice a week rather than twice a day. And I think it's those little things that you can do sometimes to make yourself feel better that really just make you feel a lot better. Yeah, I think like our previous guest, Lucy, Amy sounds like she's finding a way to carve out that me time and moving away from the athlete version of herself and finding that new balance that works for her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the same as our last guest, what I really took away was the um, importance of how she has to give herself, how she gave herself permission to yeah, not have to still be that uh, athlete version of herself and to grow and develop and really embrace her her role as a mother. And also um, alongside doing that, learn how to make time for herself in a way that perhaps would have felt easier when she was an athlete because she needed to, because her body needed her to so that she could succeed. And she's really exploring finding ways of doing that for herself now that she's a very busy mum. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting what she was saying about how she found it much easier to rest when she was an athlete. Um, but as a new mum, she was struggling a little bit more to try and carve out that time for herself. And I think for a lot of people, definitely for new mums and parents, it is really hard. It's definitely sort of a work in progress. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. I think it is a, a very common theme that we'll often hear and maybe even experience for ourselves that how how hard it is to perhaps prioritize ourselves just the same as we would prioritize our friends and our family members but how incredibly important it is that we do in order that we can be our best selves and the best version of ourselves for the people that we love so much but paradoxically we have to make the time for ourselves to allow ourselves to be that person sometimes that's really really tough yeah and I think for women in particular what we find tough is that notion of play and when Amy said that her son forces her to put the computer down and play with Lego on the floor, that I feel like we kind of think of how important play is compared to the other bits on our to-do list when, you know, when we've got so much other stuff to do. And if that really feels like relevant or important, uh, but then by the end of her walk, she actually referenced that as when she felt most herself um, when she 
playing and being silly and looking forward to actually just sitting and playing Lego with her children at Christmas time. So I thought that was really interesting, that kind of, mm-hmm. that shift that she had, that she was forced at the beginning of the chat, but then actually that's when she feels most herself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like because you can really feel her energy and her absolute delight in her surroundings and whatever it is she's talking about, whatever she's doing, I could really picture her, you know, sitting on the floor, absolutely loving getting into playing the Lego and forget the housework that can wait. This really, really matters. And I can almost imagine her doing that. And I have to say, it kind of had this pang of me remembering sitting on the floor with my kids, chaos everywhere, (laughs) but we were just having the grandest time. So it was a really reminiscent moment there for me as well. Absolutely loved it. (laughs) I think she has a really beautiful quality to uh, bring you along with her, whatever she's talking about. So you're imagining like where she is or what she's talking about. Um, I thought that throughout the whole conversation, actually, that I was picturing exactly where she was and what she was doing as she was talking. Yeah, she's a great storyteller and her little win was brilliant I thought that I'm I'm not a mum however I don't think I could cope if people if I put a dinner in front of people and no one ate it I think I'd feel really self-conscious um that's definitely like my how I like to I don't know show my love I guess for people by you know making them a nice meal and so if all those bowls aren't clean and all those plates aren't clean then I'll I'd definitely take offense so (laughs) That sounds like a great win to me. Yeah, I can absolutely second that one. I've been there many, many times and you're absolutely right, Danny. You're kind of partially wounded. Why won't you eat this food that I've prepared for you? But the sheer delight uh, when they all uh, eat the same thing and they all enjoy it. Yeah, totally down with that. (laughs) I think that's kind of like when life really begins in a way, when you really just, you're able to zoom in on your own life and not in a selfish way but you know celebrating those little wins and kind of taking that time to just really be present and be in the moment rather than focusing on what other people are doing maybe on like social media or you know people who really think are nailing it but actually everyone's just winging it in in reality and it's it's quite interesting how you might be perceived to other people and, and vice versa. Yeah, I can I completely agree with you. And actually, that was a, a thread that was kind of running through my thoughts as I was listening along is when you can get to the point where you can delight in the ordinary around you, when you do take joy out of cows and, and beautiful <laughs> fields that just happen to be there and you see them every single day, but you can still take that much delight from them and that much delight from connecting and being with your family and your children and enjoying a nice cup of tea and a takeout, that is where you begin to start to get that balance somewhere that actually feels like you are maybe not smashing it, but you are certainly living your life and actually really able to be there and be present. So yeah, totally agree. I loved that, Kami. Delight in the ordinary. I've never heard that before. That's really lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. And just no one, like no one's got it down. We're just, we're all we really are just kind of like bumbling along and going at our own pace. So I think sometimes it's really important to kind of like check yourself sometimes and just you got to you got to do you sometimes stay in your own lane. And I also thought when she said, like we hear it so many times, oh, like go with your gut, listen to your gut. But it's really difficult sometimes when you've got those kind of exterior input from other people or like 
you know, background noise about how she was talking about her, all of her team said that she should go with this decision, but her gut was telling her to make the opposite. And that's really difficult, I think, going against the grain, you know, especially um, Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, I guess someone like me, I'm one of my many flaws is that I'm very impressionable so kind of need that need that reassurance from other people sometimes so it's going to go against the grain I think is is really brave definitely and I think she was saying about that you know not ignoring that niggling feeling even if other people don't understand the decision you're making Mm. and also thought it was really interesting that she said that we have to learn not to worry about what other people are doing or you know what they're potentially thinking about us yeah, definitely. I think that's really hard with um, social media as well. Um, being such like a constant presence, it's really hard to block out those other voices um, and those other expectations as well that people might have. Yeah, you're so right, Stacey. And I think especially at the moment where it's almost like a life isn't being lived unless it's somehow being captured on social media and you're <laughs> photographing every single cup of tea you have and, and all of that. And that somehow if you don't, if you're not, then you're not living. Whereas I think actually what this interview really, really drew on was the fact that it's maybe slightly the other way around that actually, if you're really there, if you're really enjoying it, and even if you're just noticing it, then actually isn't that really living and sometimes that means we have to disconnect a little bit balance of course from some of those um, social media feeds and some of that worry might we might have about are we doing it properly if it makes us happy it makes the people around us happy we probably are yeah and I thought to myself when I was listening how kind can we be to that inner critic when we are comparing ourselves to other people yeah yeah totally it goes back to that quote isn't it like comparison really is the thief of joy but yeah you know I definitely have that habit of kind of looking on Instagram and thinking oh my gosh they're having they're having such a good time and I'm you know sat here watching Squid Game in my tracksuit bottoms and you know people are out you know maybe socializing and yeah there's just that pull isn't there thinking that you should you should be doing that too but like you said Cammy, you know if that makes you happy and the people around you are content and happy then you've got to be doing something right yeah absolutely and sometimes letting go of those shoulds (laughs) just saying do you know what I just am doing this (laughs) and currently I'm okay (laughs) that maybe is just enough (laughs) yeah you don't always have to be like chasing that happiness do you sometimes you're okay on that base level of just being just being just being okay Mm. and and that'll do Yeah, I thought that was such a big um, theme actually of this interview was that she kept on talking about how I'm just managing two workouts a week now instead of working out every Mm. day or twice a day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she's definitely learned to lessen those expectations of herself. And I thought that was really interesting. Definitely. And um, I thought to myself that she, what I noticed was that she is actually one of the first guests I think we've had that was able to identify her physical triggers that indicate that she's stressed. And what that means is she knows what to reach for in her wellness toolkit to make her feel better. So I don't know about you guys, but I was visualizing the square breath exercise that she was kind of talking us through. Um, And I was Mm -hmm. feeling better by the end of it. 
Yeah, I, I would agree, Holly. And I thought it was really nice that not only was she able to recognize the sensations, you know, very bodily recognize the fact that she was beginning to experience stress or discomfort or, or whatever it was. And then, yeah, quite deliberately reaching back to her toolkit from when she was an athlete, the thing that worked for her and using that box breathing just to put some stability back in, just to calm her down, just to allow her to ground back down again. And you're absolutely right. Obviously, something in her toolkit that works really, really nicely for her. And of course, the easy thing about it is it's breathing. It's a very specific type of breathing, but all of us can do that anytime we like. Mm. And I just love the fact that she gave you that shape to trace because that will make it so much easier and probably help a lot of people. And I noticed as well um, something else that kind of links in with breath work and another free activity um, mm -hmm. is obviously walking um, when she stopped under the bridge. I'm not sure if anyone else picked this up, but she actually lost her train of thought and forgot what she yes. was saying. But then when she started moving again, uh, her mind became really clear. And I don't know if anyone else um, has experienced that when they go out. Does anyone else just go out on a quick stroll just to like clear their mind? And, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know, get your creative juices flowing. I did or... that. I did that this lunchtime. I was, you know, things were sort of work was piling up a bit and felt sort of pulled in different directions. And I thought, you know what, I just, it's a beautiful day. I just need to walk it off. And I felt like I was absolutely like frog marching at the beginning <laughs> to kind of like get all this nervous energy out. And then I literally, it's the incredible, like the power of a walk. I just felt myself unravel. Yeah, definitely. I love them, that phrase, walk it off. I definitely think that's what I do when it comes to stress is I think it's the best thing in the world going out for a walk and just clearing your head and just gaining like a little bit of perspective as well. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know whether it's a good idea to be admitting to this, but um, <laughs> I go for a walk and I talk it out. So I'm hearing all these people going, gosh, people think I'm absolutely crazy. I'm the bonkers lady <laughs> who walks around the field talking it out because there is something about verbally articulating what mm. is going on in your head that really allows you to hear yourself saying it. Um, and that suddenly it's like, oh, oh, okay, that's where I am. So uh, yeah, I, I would agree. And yes, if I stopped or got interrupted, I would probably lose my train of thought because the two somehow belong together. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I noticed as well. And I did think oh, that's really interesting. It's not just me. Thank no, I think both of the <laughs> guests from this season have found that when they've got to the end of their walk, they've remembered a memory or something that they already knew, but they've just rediscovered about themselves. And that kind of brings you around to what our takeaways are from today. Stacey, what, what was your biggest takeaway? I think my biggest takeaway from it was um, just that I think switching off and rest is definitely a work in progress for everyone and well-being isn't always as linear as we think it's going to be yeah so mine were had a couple um switching off mentally it doesn't have to be um from technology um I think we're all you know we're all human we all like to go to bed and have our laptops and perhaps watch watch something or um, you know, do a bit of work and then kind of like close the laptop and go to sleep. And then also, yeah, the, it's just the same old, listen to your gut. It's, there's a reason why people say it's connected. It's, there's definitely, there's definitely some evidence in that. So 
I loved that. I think I just really loved the concept of taking the time to connect with yourself um, and taking the time to connect with yourself and your experiences, what you enjoy, what you're thinking, what you're remembering. Uh, and just, I think, because such an animated storytelling that it was a really nice reminder of how very, very important it is to make time to connect with ourselves and our experiences. I think for me, it was her motto of just giving things a go, give yourself permission to just give something a try. Nothing can go wrong. I really loved that idea. And I think from the Alps to Africa, I think it's fair to say Amy hasn't lost her adventurous spirit. So thank you to Amy for taking us with her on her trip down memory lane. I almost felt like I was there with her. So I've loved chatting to you all today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Daniela, Stacey and Cami, and of course, to our really positive guest, Amy Williams. Most important of all though, thanks so much to you for listening. If this is the first time you've joined us, there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe to and download. But if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walks to wellbeing. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing and you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guest chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today. <laughs>